The issue I want to touch on are basically uh, the issue of grief and pain. And the other thing I would like to touch on is really the issue of sacrifice. I started the other day uh, uh, talking about uh, loss uh, in terms of the death of my, both of my parents last year. Uh, my father who died in, uh, in February last year, my mother who died in October. Uh, and I was saying that thinking about the resulting grief and, uh, and pain that that entailed, almost like uh, opening some kind of vortex that sucked me in, as if to completely remodel and transform the familiar into something unfamiliar so that if I am to continue living that I feel or get used to the idea that I have to allow myself to be reborn. There are things associated with loss that the person experiencing it is, is not able to render in words. Uh, simply because a great deal of those things are coming directly from what I would call a non-linguistic area of the self. I would like to refer to that as the psychic area, the spirit, the spirit undergoes some kind of metamorphosis, uh, as if it's a new initiation that is starting, a new set of trouble that are meant to kind of cook the self into something perhaps higher or lower, uh, but at least it means to get the person out of where he or she was it, it before to another, to another dimension, to another place. And honestly, that's where I am. And I know that uh, one of the things that we all share together, perhaps in this room, is loss. That somehow, Losing somebody or something always calls attention to uh, this thing in us that uh, may be possessive, wanting to hang on even to something dysfunctional because at least we know that this is the thing that we, we have. Good or bad, at least that's mine. And so when that thing is removed, it's almost like... Uh, it creates an immediate vacuum inside of which breathing becomes very difficult. And so uh, that's what really calls attention to this uh, uh, whole idea of the connection between grief and water. From a tribal perception, water is the, uh, uh, the element of reconciliation. Uh, it is the element of peacemaking beside being the cleanser and the purifier, which means that uh, every loss produces a crisis that calls for reconciliation. How do I reconcile myself with the loss that I've experienced? And that's the question that has been with me for over a year now. And um, the amount of grieving I've done have not felt enough to actually produce uh, the kind of reconciliation that I thought would be hiding on the other side of it. 
the good news is it's been it's made it possible for me to function uh, and that's a good start but there seemed to be a whole lot more to be done in order to get me to the other side this is my case is not an isolated uh, one that somehow in this room even there are people who share the same experience and is that the one that uh, I would like to, uh, uh, to see pioneer or even spearhead the experience with water as an opportunity for some further shedding. And I want to call that a different kind of grieving, getting in touch with water, not as a regular H2O, but as the, uh, the principal element of our own genesis. Uh, I'm just saying that thinking about the fact that before we arrived here, we were in water for quite a long time, right? Uh, the womb is, uh, is, is, a, is a sea in itself. It's a pool. And so as we get in there, as we get in touch with that particular kind of energy, uh, the thought here, which I would like to uh, uh, to call your attention to, is what is it that water can touch in me? Can turn moist and therefore liquefy, thereby removing from me, so that beyond the idea of the possible cleanliness uh, associated with water that there be a psychic bath uh, that takes effect at that moment when I enter into contact with water. The shaman that taught me divination in my village, every August when it is the, the flooding time, all the big rivers are full, um, he has to take all, the, all the, the money that he has collected in the course of one year and carry it in a huge clay jar to the, the river, now called uh, Munhun, but it used to be called the Black Volta. Walk into the, the water and disappear right there for several hours and then come out Afterward, strangely, with his clothes dry. Of course, this poses a big question of, you know, epistemological question. How do you explain that? <laughs> uh, how, do, how do you explain that? But, you know, this is, uh, I only saw that once. And um, uh, he has completely remained uh, totally unresponsive uh, uh, to any, any interviewing or any questioning. Uh, and so I haven't gotten the chance to know, what, how do you do that? Uh, how do you avoid drowning? But what it led me to, to is a better understanding of why they do water ritual. Because there is something in the water that is not uh, associated with what we have in mind that we can drown. There is something else there perhaps other than fish. 
and who knows uh, that maybe the other home that we have left is what we go to when we enter the realm of water. Of course, uh, there is also an association of that with the idea of purpose, um, uh, which leads to uh, the concept, the tribal concept, that uh, there are such people who are called water people. Uh, their function, of course, behind the uh, uh, beside the the magical is to uh, to ensure that there is peace and reconciliation within the community, and uh, they are also uh, associated with other clans, such as the fire clan, the water clan. Uh, I mean, the earth clan, the nature clan, and the mineral clan. But uh, this task, uh, this particular function, which is associated with a purpose, uh, really uh, came out in my mind when, uh, you know, the whole idea of the grand dios uh, was brought up uh, yesterday so vividly because my mind just went straight to that area where I saw this grand dios thing as uh, the great purpose that was inscribed in us before we were born and is so committed to seeing us fulfill it that it will stop at nothing to the point where it will feel like each person, any person who is at least minimally sane, uh, will want and look forward to giving his life to something bigger than himself. And so that's what... Lead, uh, lead me to uh, the whole idea of sacrifice. Um, there is some sense in which um, the cycle of life and death um, is something so ingrained in us that dying at some point intersects with living and living intersect with dying. So that when one dies, oh, there is always the, the, the desire that that death be connected with something grand, something big. It is as if um, exiting this world also means entering a, another world where a huge welcoming committee is waiting for you. I don't know how, how best to say that. But this is the reason why, uh, among Dagara people, death always calls attention to a, a, a tremendous, intense, radical ritual uh, that lasts for at least 72 hours. Of course, because the village is relatively uh, uh, small, there is a possibility of stopping every activity in order to give attention to the departed soul uh, so that this escort to the other world can translate into another escort in the other world to wherever the final destination of the dead is. In doing that, then the deceased become a sacrifice to the greater good of the community. Beside that uh, is this whole notion that uh, is associated 
with animal sacrifice. Uh, something that um, I've always had a hard time explaining in clear detail. Uh, because uh, I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to paint a romantic picture of African culture. But at the same time, I know value when I see one. And the inability to actually to effectively defend sacrifice when it associates with animal uh, does not simply mean devaluating it. Uh, all I know and all I can, I, I can share is that the trees are the most advanced species. They suppose they're connected with a consciousness that supersedes anything else that is wider, bigger. And the only explanation they give is that they look still. They're not going anywhere. Next to them, the next second high consciousness is the consciousness of animals. And it's a kind of unfortunate thing that we, we trail behind as number third or number last. Now, the interesting thing about that is this, that the higher your consciousness, the more eager you are to offer yourself to the next layer of consciousness below in order for it to rise. As if somehow by offering yourself in that manner, you not only contribute to the lifting of an otherwise wanderer consciousness, the lifting of that consciousness to another level, but you yourself allow yourself to go even further. There may be some contradiction in there, but uh, uh, the instinct, and that's why we have the, uh, uh, the story behind chicken sacrifice, uh, that uh, the chicken lobbied tremendously at the, uh, at the shrine of the great God in order to, uh, to be the, the one single, uh, singled out to offer their blood over and over in order to repair human mistakes. And this is the reason why uh, basically no chicken is killed just because the food is good. Uh, it is killed first in order to repair something that is not working well. That's what we call an offering. And then the body is shared with spirit. Uh, there is something, something about the sacrificial animal that certain key parts of the animal anatomy are, are given to the shrine of the, uh, of the spirit. And so far, even though I don't understand why this particular part, such as the liver and the heart, uh, I think that might be connected to, uh, to, the, to the seat 
to the main seat of the of the the consciousness that is carried uh, and embodied by the animal itself. And there's something about it which, uh, you know, if you happen to go to a, to see a Dagara diviner, chances are you will be a, you will be prescribed to kill a lot of chicken. Uh, like it or not. And uh, if you can't do that, you will have to uh, get used to it. I don't know, the sooner you get it, the better. And so, uh, over the years, I found myself struggling with this issue. And um, I've noticed that uh, it is. It might be connected with a certain perception of the the, the fabric of modernity uh, that underscores the reason why it's so difficult for the the normal person to take that in, to take sacred killing in, and um, I know that uh, the. Uh, the consciousness that is associated with animal is, is also uh, the source of the kind of inspiration that uh, uh, creates all these mythical stories that sustain uh, a community. The stories that you will hear in, in Dano, uh, in my village, which is called Dano, most of the characters are either animals or plants, trees. And it's only by listening to so many to, uh, varieties of things here that I come to understand why uh, it is so important. Because it is through these stories that uh, uh, the, 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 the children are taught about the myth of the community, uh, the kind of mythologies that hold the community together. And um, one of the critical things in there that I, uh, uh, I have, that has come to my mind, and that's associated with what, uh, Danny, you was, you've, been, um, you've been communicating since uh, the other day, is what, uh, it, it, it inspires, uh, it has inspired a certain attitude towards what you will otherwise call the that which is not commonly familiar. How would I say that? Here you would call that deformity or or uh, infirmity. The um, in the village, there's a perception of uh, people who are carrier of the uh, of chronic disease or chronic um, impairment as permanent living shrines that need to maintain a kind of mobility among the community to remind the community of the kind of thing they cannot afford to forget, that they are surrounded by the sacred, that they are surrounded by something bigger than themselves. And that reminder is supposed to trigger 
in uh, in every villager, in every person looking a sense of humility. It is as if it is a thermostat against the overheating, overheating one's grandiosity. Uh, if I could put it in this fashion. And I had forgotten about this uh, until last night. That's when it came to me that uh, that is the reason why any person who has any kind of disability is sought after. People will, uh, men like to marry women who are disabled. Women will, will gladly marry men who are disabled. Why? Because you live permanently with the sacred. It is a natural attraction. Well, and unfortunately, there's not enough to around. Uh, but uh, this is something quite interesting to, uh, uh, at least, to contrast with with the way it is here. You know, these stories that you've told uh, are really poignant. They're very touching, and yet, uh, in my heart, I can't help but grieving the fact that this is all possible because modernity has ruled out the sacred or has done something to the sacred whereby they can, you can stare at something, and, at something otherworldly and not see it. And so there is almost like a commitment um, to... Uh, desacralize even anything that is that, that that is so vehemently so sacred that it is annoying. Um, what what should be done about that? Uh, uh, I think this is cause for grief uh, because this there seemed to be something like a commitment um, uh, a commitment to getting rid of that which is most important to ourselves. And uh, it will require perhaps uh, uh, very strong muscled excavators uh, to go to those places where all these sacred, the sacred is buried and dig that out. Um, that means the, sim- the, the simple people who are doing those uh, small rituals Honoring the trees, honoring the plants, uh, making their little offering of tobacco or or or, or uh, smoke uh, to the various forces that they feel around them, to eventually harness uh, enough power to open a few more eyes to this sacred staring at us. And I've also noticed uh, along the line of that, and in association with the ritual that is coming up. You know, how much of that constitute a struggle in our day-to-day life? Uh, you know, I watch how difficult it, it, it is to build the shrine that is going to hold our ritual tomorrow. And I'm not reading into that in terms of individual uh, narrow-mindedness or commitment to uphold uh, their ideas and get credit out of it and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm just seeing how our own conditioning, uh, the kind of conditioning that uh, 
that has a hard time noticing the sacred even when it's staring at us. Um, how that conditioning can stand in the way, can block us and make us so rigid that indeed uh, we need to stay in the water a few weeks in order for it to be melted away <laughs> or, or something like that. So, um, and the, the, real, the, the real deal here has to do with uh, the, inner, uh, the, the inner preparation that is a, uh, the, a personal assignment, a personal duty. Uh, is it possible for each and every one on a, on a private and concerted level to meet with the trees and the plants with a mind to help excavate the interior of self, looking for those elements that are inserted by culture, society, that do not belong to us. That therefore giving us the power to inventory them, at least as many as possible, so that when the time comes, we can then carry that to water. Do you see what I mean? Does that, does that seem to make sense? Um, some kind of inner digging uh, that could lead uh, to the gathering of that which does not belong to me. And to give it to something sacred because sacred as a consciousness is assumed to know what to do with it. Uh, the issue is that we oftentimes think that offering should be necessarily good thing. That is a good thing by our definition. Uh, not necessarily. The earth, for instance, can take any kind of trash that comes out of our body. The water can wash all kind of filth uh, and liquefy it and take it away. The plant can wipe all kind of energies away from us, leaving the original at least long enough for us to feel different. And all of that are offerings. And so uh, I would like that uh, if anything at all, if it is not possible to, to fully understand what you're doing, uh, Think of something grand that you want to do that on behalf of. Think of somebody who is struggling somewhere and you're doing that for that person. Um, think of yourself as an offering. An offering to something bigger than yourself. That means become a sacrificial element because there is dignity in giving yourself for something grander than you. And so this is really what I would like to, uh, uh, to stir up your, uh, your, uh, your thinking toward. Yeah, you know. Anyway, that's what the, 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 it is not a good idea uh, to seek perfection in the immediate. It's a good idea to think that here I am 
I know nothing, but at least I know one thing. I can show up. Showing up with, your, with all your inability qualifies you for being, to be hired by the Spirit to do the impossible. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, and it is, uh, uh, I, I, it is something that stands distinct, distinctly from the idea of uh, you know, gaining some expertise first before you engage in what you may call career. Uh, you learn as you go through the, through the trial and tribulation. Eventually, you get most of it by the end of your life. And that's the way it is. So my sense is that uh, uh, each one of us who is present here may have been woken up by an ancestor, uh, a, a close relative who is in the other world, and placed in this path to try to do something grand. And the, uh, the nature of that cannot be completely delineated and clarified now because um, there's so much difference between the conscious and the unconscious that indeed a lot of information gets lost in the middle. But what I know for sure is that as long as we're driven by uh, the, 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 this humble thought that somehow we must be doing something right, Nothing will matter. And it's not about someone's tradition trying to impose itself on, other, uh, on another tradition. I know that uh, what I'm talking about may be inspired by Dagara culture. But when it comes here, uh, sitting here, I have a hard time. Imagine, I mean, maybe you, last, last time you were Dagara people. Or some shit like that. I don't know. I mean, uh, the, the color does not seem to matter anymore. Because in the eyes of spirits, something else is going on. And uh, to be able to show up for something like this, uh, this is at least very uncivilized. Uh, 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 and that's the effort that we need to make to know that there's nothing lost in suspending disbelief. And yet, it is also probably one of the hardest things to do. And why should we want to do the easy thing anyway? This is informed by a tradition uh, uh, coming from Dagora people that are very addicted to divination. Before you go to a divination, you take ash and you go to the shrine of the ancestors with the problem that, uh, uh, that is bothering you. And you say to the ancestors, you will take this ash, produce a shield, take this, this set of cowrie shell, which is going to be the payment, and ingest in all, of, in all of them the kind of answer that I should be looking at when I get to the diviners. And if you are tuned enough to the ancestors, the, divine, the, 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 the ancestor will be the one telling the diviner to tell you what is exactly going on with you. And so 
in a culture in which uh, you know uh, something of that nature has not yet taken root, uh, it is it's rather difficult to tell uh, what's going to happen, uh, uh, whether what's going to happen will serve or deserve. You know, as long as the the issue of going to ancestors to find some answers is concerned, see, I'm not suggesting that you 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 dig thousands and thousands of years or hundreds and hundreds of years to find uh, the whole line of ancestors. You can't do that yourself. I mean, uh, you got to go back to Europe somewhere and, and begin the excavation. Uh, but at least one thing that you sure you know is that you are associated with someone older in your, in your family who's dead. The assumption is that over there they know each other. And so as long as you know one, you can tell that one what you want and tell them to pass it around, make photocopy, email it to them, or something like that. I mean, whatever, using whatever technology is available there, because, because you don't know the rest of them, but at least you know, you know that one. And so by getting in touch with one, you get in touch with pretty much all of them. And through that, you can resolve quite a number of, uh, quite a number of, uh, disturbing issues. But also, you got to understand, it doesn't have something to do with us posturing as beggars. Uh, we have to also go to the trees when we don't have trouble. Just go there, just probably to hang out. I say, look, you, you look cute. Uh, what, what do you got? Thank you.